Thank you so much. And thank you for that warm welcome. I so appreciate that. Now, I just about lost my voice on that last song. That was, uh, that was some awesome, awesome worship. Thank you for, for leading us in that team. And uh, uh, we're, we're a worshiping body, aren't we? We're here to worship God. He comes first. And uh, so we're so glad that you're here. Um, as Andy said, my name is Rick Harrell. And I'm the new pastor here, and I'm so looking forward to the, the fellowship of being a part of your family here at Renovation uh, Vineyard. I'm also looking forward to seeing what God's going to do for, for the holiday season and for next year. And so I'm so glad that you're in it with us. Uh, if this is your first time, or it's been a long time since you've been here, we hope that you feel welcomed among family. Uh, and that is what we are. So we're so glad that you're here and we hope that this morning and throughout the Christmas season that God will just continually surprise you with his presence and certainly surprise you with the friendship and the family that we're a part of here at Renovation. Now, I've got all the things that are supposed to be over there. We'll get them over there before you sign up for anything um, so that you can be a part of Christmas cheer and certainly um, take advantage of the cookies that are over there and see what God does through your hands and through your provision as we, uh, as we meet needs during this holiday season. Now, good. I wanted to make sure that was up there. We want to... Uh, we also want to begin uh, today with just a word of prayer and ask God's presence to be here. And... Um, and so pray with me. Lord, thank you that, that we can come into your presence and worship you. Thank you that you have extended an invitation to each one of us to, to say yes to you, to invite you to be our Lord, to be our Savior, to be our friend. And so today, Lord, we invite you and your presence to be among us. Lord, we know that, that what we bring is, is simply ourselves our good, our bad, everything that we are, we bring it to you. But Lord, we know that when you come, you bring all that you are as well. So come, Lord, and make your presence known. Help us to feel and sense the presence of your Holy Spirit as we, as we, uh, as we study, as we listen, Lord, as we worship more, as we pray, then as we take communion together as a family. Lord, may your presence be here in a way that, that simply surprises us. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when it comes to gift giving, do you like to be surprised by what's in the box? Or do you like to know what's already coming? You like the surprises? Don't you like the surprises? Did you ever as a kid sneak around and find out what your parents had bought you? You might not want to admit that out loud if your parents are nearby, but kids like to know, and we like to know as well, but half or more, actually more of the, of the gift giving and more of the, the, um, the beauty of the holiday and the beauty and the surprises is, is being surprised by what's in those boxes. 
Um, I remember my son uh, loved to surprise me. Uh, he is now 30 years old. He leads worship for a church in the Atlanta area. And when he was a little kid, five, six, seven, eight years old, he loved to surprise me. Now, in his mind, surprise meant scare dad. That was surprise for him. I would wake up in the morning, and he would be standing beside the bed, two inches from my face, grinning from ear to ear. Of course, my response was, oh, he loved to do that. He would wait for an hour in my bedroom closet, right behind the door, waiting to see if I would open the door so that he could <laughs> surprise me. And so I grew up, he grew up in a household that he loved the surprises that came with being a part of our family. Well, I'm not talking about the scary surprises that sometimes come like that, but today I want us to start and begin a series called Amaze Us This Christmas, because God amazed us by sending his son Jesus that first Christmas. But you know, every, every season that we come into, and especially at Christmas time, we come into a time that we can say to God, God, amaze us again. Because our God is so amazing that we can ask that, and he loves to surprise us with his presence. And sometimes not knowing what's on the other side of it is the best part of the surprise because he surprises us with his miracles. He surprises us with his grace. He surprises us with his presence. And there's really an insight into our Christian ex experience that comes from this. He really is the God who promises us and gives us a yes in our life. He says to us, yes, my promises are always true. My promises are always good for you. And he comes through for us. He comes through, uh, through for us in very detailed and specific ways. As detailed and specific as the different needs that we bring him every day in our lives. Our God is that kind of God. But he doesn't always give us the specifics, does he? He doesn't always tell us what's coming. And the beauty of that is that every day that we walk with Jesus, we get to unpack. We get to unwrap that day and see what God is about and see what God is doing in our lives. Not just in our own lives, but in the life of this church. That we get to unwrap that package that defines who we are that defines the destiny and the calling that Renovation Vineyard is. And we get to unpack that. And the beauty of it is we don't know what's on the other side of January 1st. We don't really know what's on the other side of tomorrow. But we get to unwrap it and be surprised and grow in our faith because God's presence is near. And so at at Christmas time, we especially depend on those surprises, don't we? We surprise our spouse with a little extra love. We surprise our kids with presents. We surprise our community by serving them through the different projects that we're doing around here at the church and in many other ways. And so at our season that we're in right now, we get to 
experience the amazing presence of God this Christmas, and then we get to pour it out to others as well. So, this morning, I want to start our message with a story. And you'll probably recognize the person that I'm going to describe and the story that I'm going to delve into. And if you do, I'll notice that you, you did. But let's start with a story about a man and a surprise. This man lived in the hill country of Judea. He lived with his wife there for many years. She was the darling of his life. She was the apple of his eye. And he loved her very dearly. Now, Zach was known as a man of great integrity. He was a man full of honor. And his heart was turned toward God. And he served him faithfully. His faith was the kind of faith that not only led him to do what was right and to choose wisely, but his faith was the kind of faith that looked toward the day when God would come and redeem his people. And the Redeemer would come and make things right. He came from a respected family. Well, so did his wife. And they were very proud of the life that they had built together. And then there was that one thing in their lives. It wasn't overwhelming, but it was always there. And it hurt him to know that it hurt his wife that they had never had a child. We'll talk about that next week when we talk about how God surprises us with his deliverance. But for this man, Zacchaeus, uh, Zacharias, you'll recall the story that Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. And they still prayed for an answer. Even though Zacharias assured Elizabeth that she was all that he needed. That she was perfect for him. And there was nothing lacking in her for him. They still prayed for a child. Then the day of service came. He got the call that he was to be the one who would offer incense and prayers for his nation. The, the, the day was a special day because he was the one that out of 20,000 priests would be that morning the one to offer the, the incense across the coals of the altar in the holy place and offer prayers of, of petition and intercession for his people. And so he came to this day knowing that it was the only time in his life that he would be able to serve God in this way. And God stepped in. And he surprised, God surprised him with his presence. And with that, I want us to read in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 11. I think I told the team verse 12. Did you get verse 11 up here? Good. Okay. We're going to begin with verse 11. And we're going to read through verse 17. Luke 1. Verse 12 through 11 through 17. So if you've got your Bible, you've got your device, turn to that and read along with me as I read in the New Living Translation. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. 
Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Now he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man filled with the Spirit and the power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, I've got two other verses I want us to read. And it's verse 78 and 79 of the same chapter. And the reason I want to read these is because these two verses and what the angel says here helps us to understand what Zacharias prayed. This is what it says in verse 78 and 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the paths of peace. Now, when the day of service came for Zacharias, and he stepped into the temple, by the time he stepped up to the altar to sprinkle the incense across the coals and to offer the prayers for his nation, for his people, by that time, the, the, uh, the holy place had already been cleansed, the fire had already been tended to, and everything was prepared for this, this worship experience. And in fact, what Zacharias was getting to do was that incredible pinnacle of high worship that happened in the temple that day. And so when he stepped into this, this time of, of prayer and this time of giving the incense, everything was already prepared. And as all the priests left the altar except for Zacharias, he was there by himself. And as all, all the other priests left the, the presence of that holy place, he was surrounded by these images, these pictures of this incredible God of mercy that had offered to him and to his people a relationship with the Most High God. He had walked past the, the, uh, the labor, the, the, the place where he was to cleanse himself before he walked up the steps. He'd walked by that place where he was reminded that, that he was dirty, that he needed a Savior, that he needed someone to cleanse him, that he couldn't cleanse himself, and only in the presence of God could he find wholeness and cleansing and forgiveness. And as he walked up the stairs to the most holy place, and right there at the, at the altar of incense, as he walked up those steps, it reminded him that he was approaching the most high God who had come down to be present among his people, Emmanuel. God was present, and he knew that he was walking into a place where God had invited him to pray for himself, for his family, and for his people. And there, as he stood before that altar with the coals prepared and the altar of incense, 
And as, as he prepared to, to offer that incense and pray, he was standing right before the veil, the curtain that separated all the people of Israel from the Lord God. And that curtain was right in front of him. And only once a year, the high priest had the opportunity to go in to that area, the most holy place. And so as he stood before that curtain, I'm sure it reminded him that God had invited him into his presence. But still, there was something separating him from the Most High God. And so as he stood before that, that altar of, of incense, that altar of prayer, he was reminded that God's presence had been with Israel for, the, for, for centuries. God had invited them into a relationship. And as, as Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus I don't know why I want to call him that. Zacharias burned the incense on the altar. He looked to the right at the curtain one last time. And maybe he was thinking, that curtain separates me from a real relationship with God. And as he looked at that curtain one last time, God stepped into the picture. God sent his angel to step into the picture. In fact, the angel surprised him so much that the angel had to say to him, it's okay, you're not going to die this moment. I'm present here, and God is present here, but it's good that I'm with you. It's good that I'm near. And so Zacchaeus experienced what we all need to experience, the presence of God. And that angel surprised him, and when he showed up, in the midst of his prayer, in the midst of him offering the incense, when God showed up for him, God showed up to demonstrate the power of his mercy. Well, that's your first fill-in. So if you've got your fill-ins, that's your first one. God's presence brings the power of his mercy. When God's presence shows up, his mercy comes with him. And God answered Zacchaeus' prayer. Zacharias' prayer. Thank you. Correct me every time, please. It's interesting because Zacharias is what I've been calling for the last three years. You probably call him Zachariah like it is in the Bible, but in Italy, Zacharias, and so I'm just naturally going back and forth to another name. But God showed up and answered Zacharias' prayer. And we don't know exactly what he prayed. It doesn't record what he prayed, but it does record how God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer first and foremost with a very personal, very intimate cry from his heart. He was praying for his wife. He was praying for a child. And the angel, first and foremost, was concerned with Zacharias and his wife and the baby to come that he would answer the prayer for. God loves to hear the prayers of his people. We can't get past that. As Zacharias was praying there in this formality of, of kind of, a, a, kind of a, a, a scripted prayer to, uh, to recite before the altar, the heart of Zacharias was, God, hear my prayer for my wife. Hear my prayer for our family. Would you come and answer 
my prayer. And it's an amazing truth that you and I cannot get away from. God loves to hear our voice. God loves to hear our voice. He wants to hear from us. He wants us not only to express our love to him, not only to express our need for him, but he loves to hear us tell him what we need. Yes, he knows what we need before we even ask. But oh, he loves to hear our voice. He loves to hear our prayers. And that's that intimacy of God's presence assuring us that his mercy is present and he wants to answer our prayers. Well, the first thing that we can tell is that, is that God answered the prayer for Zacharias and Elizabeth for a child. That's, that's a wonderful thing to find out is that God is so intimately involved in this couple's life that the first thing that they would do is learn that God was going to answer prayer. Uh, Zacharias's response was a little questionable. When you look at the story, the first thing that he said to the angel is, huh, how can that happen? That's not going to happen for us. And that's when he lost his voice. Like It sounds like I'm losing mine. But God answered his prayer and he was intimately involved in their lives. Something else that we can tell that he prayed is how, how the angel described what this child would be like. I can imagine, I can imagine that Zach, Zacharias was standing before the altar and sure that there was a, a scripted prayer that he needed to pray. But in the midst of it, he was crying out for his nation. He was saying, God, would you come and deliver us from our oppressors? God, would you come and redeem your people? God, would you come near again? God, would you allow us to hear your voice again? At this point in time, it had been 400 years since the people of Israel had heard from a prophet. That hadn't happened before. And for 400 years, they were listening to hear God speak. And God answered Zacharias' prayer. And said, yes, you will have a son, but he won't just be any son. He will be a son who will come and proclaim that the deliverer is coming. He will go before the Messiah and bring the people of Israel back to the Lord. And so Zacharias was praying for a son, but he was praying for so much more. God, would you come and deliver your people and speak again to your nation? God, would you bring light to the places that are dark? Would you show us your presence once again? And so not only did God show up and answer the prayer for a child, but God showed up by sending his only child, his only son, so that Jesus could deliver a people for himself. And he did become that light in the dark place. And today... When we say, God, you know, we're vineyard. We, what do we pray? Oh, God, would you bring your presence in our midst? Holy Spirit, come. Make your presence known in this place. When we pray that, we're praying, God, bring your light. Bring your deliverance. Bring your wholeness. God, come as redeemer and redeem the dark places in my life. God, bring your light to shine on this next step 
that I'm so fearful of taking. And we pray today, God, come. Holy Spirit, come. Visit us today. Well, for Zacharias, his presence brought this incredible sense of his mercy to him. But in the midst of that, it also brought, the presence of God brought this welcome sense of, of being accepted by the Lord. This welcome sense of being accepted. Even though, even though Zacharias was surrounded by all these formalities of his religion, of his faith, and although, although he was going through these official duties, there was a sense of acceptance, a place of acceptance in the Lord. And that's your second fill-in, is that, that God's mercy brings us to a place of being accepted in the Lord. His presence means that our memorized prayers are going to fall short. His acceptance means that we are no longer formally having to step into his presence, but we can rest and relax in his love. Isn't it great that we don't have to go through the, the exercises of religion anymore to know God? God has invited us to know him in an intimate friendship, Lord to child, father relationship. He's invited us into this welcome place of acceptance. The rituals fall away. The memorized prayers fall short. And our prayers become the cries that are deep down inside of our hearts. And he invites us into that kind of a place. That's the power of mercy at work in our midst. When God's presence is there, not only is his mercy there, but his acceptance as well is there. And when you and I experience that redemption and that mercy and that forgiveness, he says that we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted and embraced in the beloved. And that's the power of mercy at work. And we sang about this this morning. When we step into that place of acceptance before the Lord, we find freedom. We find his freedom. He gives us a freedom. He frees us from, from the powers of having to find God. God has found us. And we find freedom. The guilt falls away and we can breathe. We can just breathe in his presence because he's near. The guilt has fallen away and we don't have to carry the guilt anymore. He breaks the silence about our story. The silence that keeps us from talking about the greatness of God's mercy in our lives. Because he removes the shame that keeps us silent. And we're able to speak truth and be able to share our story with no guilt and with no shame. You know, that's the most powerful part of our witness. Is whenever we recognize that God has broken the silence. We don't have to be quiet about who we are and where we've been and what we've done. We can be open with people. We can say to people, oh yes, I was like that. And oh yes, sometimes I'm still like that. But God, in his great mercy, has invited me into a place of acceptance. He's accepted us in the Beloved. And then he also invites us into that place of rest. Do you enjoy that? To be able to go into God's presence 
and not have to perform for him. We're not on. We can rest in him. We don't have to perform to get his love. In fact, sometimes our performance, anyone that's ever been in ministry or anybody that's ever served in church, sometimes our performance can actually get in the way. We have to remember that our performance is just an act of love back to God to say, God, God, I love you. Thank you that I can rest in the goodness that you've brought me and in the place of acceptance you've invited me. And so we find a place of acceptance. Now, as an aside, here at Renovation, we want this church to be a place where people come in and they know they're accepted. They can come in with whatever they come in with and, and find acceptance from us, from us as a body, from us as a church. But we also want to let them know that they can come in and explore who God is and discover the greatness of his mercy for them. Not everybody comes in pretty cleaned up, do they? Well, did you come in very cleaned up? No, none of us do. We come in and we have to discover the great gift of God's mercy for our own lives. And when we do that, people will discover the goodness of his mercy and the power of his mercy. And so we want to be that kind of a church as well. Well, there's a third point that I want to share with you. Not only do we find the power of his mercy in this story and, and in this answered prayer, not only do we find the, the, the power of his mercy, not only do we find that we can enter into a place of acceptance where we can rest in his presence, not have to perform, but also we find a way forward. We find a way forward. There's hope when we come into God's presence. There's hope. There's a way forward. There's a way forward. Look at these verses again. If you'll put those last two verses up, 78 and 79 again, I just want you to look at this with me. Because of his, God's tender mercy, there's that place of mercy, the morning light of heaven is about to break on us. What it basically says is, is the, dawn, the brilliance of dawn is going to visit us. The brilliance of dawn is going to visit us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to a path of peace. I visited a friend one day in the hospital. Her name was Deborah. And Deborah had been coming to my church. I was living in Texas then. And Deborah had been coming to our church for some time. And I'd never met her, her spouse. I'd never met her husband. But I visited her in the hospital. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about her life and her faith. She was new to her, to her faith. But she still had a lot of fears in her life. And as I, as I heard her story, I got to hear a little bit about how um, she had lived her whole life in this inner city area of a large Texas city. I sat there and listened. And, uh, and she described how she had, uh, she had uh, moved in with this man who had proclaimed his love for her and it wasn't long before the relationship became abusive. And she had put up with the abusiveness of this relationship. And now I was visiting her in the hospital as she recovered from stab wounds. She felt trapped. She didn't have a way out. 
She had no way out. Literally, she didn't know how to get out of the relationship. And I encouraged her to make sure that she got out as soon as she could. And she escaped from this, this dangerous relationship. And the reason I share that story is because we as a church and we as a people are surrounded by people who need a way out. You work with people who need a way out. That may not be an abusive relationship, but it may be an abusive relationship. It may be an addictive problem that they have, and they need a way out. It may be that they have put their trust in another God, the God of money, the God of power, the God of, of uh, whatever. They put, their, they put their trust in the wrong God, and they have no way out. They don't know how to get out. They don't know that God, in his great mercy, has invited them to himself. He's invited them to a way out. They can escape. They can get out. And they can find that place of acceptance. We can become immobilized. We can become paralyzed by the darkness sometimes that surrounds us. And there are people that have no way to step out of those dark places. But God, who is rich in mercy, has sent Jesus. He has provided a way out. He has given light in the dark places. His brilliant sunrise visits us. And when Jesus talked about himself being the light of the world, in the very same breath he said, oh yeah, and you are the light of the world as well. We as a church offer to our friends, our neighbors, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, and beyond, that the light of God has come and he has shed light on that next step that the one paralyzed can't quite take. And we get to walk with him to take those steps. God has provided us a way out. And the power of mercy points us to a way forward. The sun will break on us. God will provide light for those who are immobilized and sitting in the darkness. And God will shine the light that we need on our next step. And it may be that today when you're here, there is a next step that you need to take as well. There's a next step that you need to, to move toward. It may be that, that you feel somewhat paralyzed. God says today, the light is there for you to take that next step toward him. And I invite you to do that. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. But before we do that... Um, we have an opportunity to ask God's presence once again to provide that way out, to provide that place of acceptance, to provide the power of his mercy. Just like when Zacchaeus was there in, Zacharias was there in that, in that place of prayer and he walked by that place of cleansing, it reminds us that we are also in need of cleansing. God in his mercy and God in his forgiveness invites us to that place. And as Zacharias stood before that, that, tent, that uh, uh, veil, longing 
to have a rich and personal relationship, God invites us into that place of acceptance. In fact, Jesus tore the veil down. And he invites us into that place of holiness. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. Just stand right where you are. And if you'll bow your heads with us. Worship team, if you'll come up. And just bow where you are. And let's, let's invite God's presence. And thank him for what he's doing in each one of our lives. God, thank you for the richness of your mercy. God, thank you for the beauty of that place of acceptance you've invited us to. God, thank you that the veil is torn down and you've invited us to step into a place of light, a place of rescue, a place of hope. And as we celebrate today with the Advent, a place of peace. Thank you, God. And with your heads bowed, and with your eyes closed, as we consider God's presence today, and that place of mercy, and that place of acceptance, as we consider that, maybe with your hands outstretched, but certainly with your heart open to what God's doing, what bubbles up to the top of your heart as you pray? Just like Zacharias couldn't help but pray for the son that he and his wife longed for. What prayer bubbles up into your heart right now? What prayer comes to the top of your mind? God, thank you for the prayers of your people. Thank you for the prayers of your church. Lord, may your presence surprise each one of us that you are indeed answering the cries of the heart of your people. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you that you, Lord, have come near. Emmanuel, God, you are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.